Welcome to episode four of EC Made Lemonade. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording in Vancouver on the traditional and unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. My name is Emily. And my name is Claire. My friendship with Emily started with our shared passion for Korean entertainment. And so we thought it's only right that we do an episode about fangirling. So in this episode, we'll be talking about our love for K-pop, Korean dramas, movies, and variety shows. And so first up, K-pop! <laughs> so way back in 2011, that was when I first met Claire in a Korean language class um, in university. And at first, I never really interacted with Claire because it was supposed to be class, we were supposed to be studying. And how we actually interacted with each other the first time was when we both asked our teacher for that class if we could submit our homework later because we were both attending the same JYJ concert that evening and therefore we wouldn't be able to submit our homework because the deadline for the homework was the same time as the concert. So we both requested, and not just us, there were actually uh, other fellow classmates attending the same concert, but that was when I first sort of knew Claire. And uh, we bumped into each other at the concert venue. And after that one concert, um, we just became closer in class and we just interacted a lot more. And we, be we became good friends after that, actually. Right, Emily started hosting uh, together with other with our other friend Tracy, Emily started hosting these concert marathons so that we could together watch these uh, K-pop acts, and we've just gotten closer ever since. So speaking of K-pop, let's talk about our first exposure to the music genre. For for me, it was uh, through a Korean drama. I don't normally watch dramas, right? But that one was, it really got my attention, and so from that drama, I discovered Ihonki. Yonki of FT Island and so FT Island was one of the first groups for me for K-pop that I really enjoyed following. Uh, there was FT Island and then there was Super Junior and um, DPSK. Uh, what about you Emily? So my very very first exposure to Korean music was Dongbang Shingi, very very first boy band. I had a fellow classmate in high school who was obsessed with them and that was just after their debut and I wasn't interested at first because their debut look was, I don't know if, if some of you might know, Dongbang Shinki looked very different when they first debuted. It was a, a, it was a lot. It wasn't really my style. And then I started liking them about a year after she introduced me. It was when Hug came out. When their song Hug came out, that was when I was introduced to them. And then I loved them from since then. And I love them very, 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 very much. Hence, that's why we met Killer and I went to the JYJ concert. So Domashiki was my first love. I was also introduced to Super Junior, but my next big love was Big Bang. I knew and fell in love with Big Bang since the moment they debuted. So for me, that was the very first boy band from start to now that I like loved. But also FT Island was great. But for me, another one would be 2PM. 2PM, I that was I remembered just after graduating high school, entering university, and they were the newest idols, newest boy band, and they had a totally different image, and so that was a lot. Girl group-wise, Sonia Shide was also a big one, SNSD, they were part of the SM family, so Dongbang Shingi side, so that was, they were so cute. I'm not a big fan of cute, but they were good. I thought they were very talented, they could sing and dance, and they were on a lot of variety shows, so they had a lot of exposure, so I really enjoyed them. And there's also Kara, I'm talking about these old bands, Kara and then 21. So a lot of these like, Groups I liked since their beginning to debut until their end for some of them that ended. So 
to continue talking about these, let's say, second gen K-pop. <laughs> I've also followed a lot of Shiny. There's To Anyone. Um, there's also Block B. I think Block B was just starting as um, these other groups were really making it big now. But I love Block B. I love the way Zico composed his songs. And so, and then of course, Big Bang. Big Bang, I became um, a fan a little bit later than Emily, of course. But Big Bang is a is also a group that I enjoy. But talking about this second-gen <laughs> K-pop acts, there's so much to talk about um, in terms of how we fangirled about these, right? Like before, um, K-pop content wasn't as accessible on the internet. Like there were so many things that we had to dig up ourselves. I personally practiced a reading uh, Hangul, Korea, the Korean alphabets, just because I was going to these Korean sites and trying to get more videos out of the shows. And so... Yeah, so my peak K-pop phase, I, I was first, you know, exposed to it in high school. I think I was in grade 11 and 12. That was when I really got into it. But it wasn't until, I think my peak phase was definitely like first and second year of university. That was like peak K-pop obsession. <laughs> and that was when I would discover all these different forums. I would look up how to like watch the music shows because back then YouTube was not as great as it is now. And also a lot of the major Korean music shows and TV shows, they didn't have a YouTube channel. So they didn't upload their content. So a lot of the content was uploaded from fans. However, anything uploaded to YouTube, there was no such thing as YouTube Live. So there's nothing live. It was all like older performances. And so at that time, I was so dedicated. I wanted to watch the live music show so I could see my favorite idols perform live at their shows and see if they win, you know, that week's, you know, whatever the, the prize is, the top song. And, but there's a time difference between Vancouver and Korea. So a lot of times those shows aired in the middle of the night for us here. So it'd be like uh, 1, 2, 1, 2 a.m. is usually the, the late afternoon. And that's when they aired those shows. I would stay up late on Friday and Saturday and find those streams online from some forum and then watch them live and try to stay up late. And um, it was easier when I was younger, but also it was like a dedication. I no longer do it. Now thinking back, I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> Watching live streams from these broadcast shows is a lot of investment. As a fangirl, you need to know the right people on these forums so that they can give you the links where to watch these live streams and you stay up for it. And sometimes, you know, you have school because some of the shows happen on Thursdays and then the quality, it's its so much different. Now you can get 4K live, 1080p, no problem. Before these unofficial links, they would only give us, what, 240, 360, the max. Yeah. And, and it was nice. If it was 480, then yeah. wow, <laughs> I must have hit the jackpot link. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't believe it. Yeah, before when we had, when the max used to be, you know, 480, we thought it was amazing. But now that we have even better, it's like, whoa. Like, it just, the technology is great. And I feel like fangirls these days are very lucky to have such easy access to such high quality content. We went through a lot, the OG K-popping times. The OG K-popping times. This reminds me of how I used to connect with other fangirls too. Um, it's it's different. Uh, there wasn't a lot of people who talked about K-pop when I was in my peak K-pop fangirling days. And so it was harder to connect with real life people, especially here in Vancouver. It's a Western country. So uh, the exposure to K-pop is much less than if you were in Southeast Asia, for example. I mean, still international fans, but it's very rare to meet another fan um, here in Vancouver. The only way that I was able to connect with other fangirls was being part of 
fan cafes. <laughs> Um, because they're also international, they do fan projects as well. But these days, because it's uh, K-pop's a little bit more mainstream now, it's easier to connect. Just in your local area, people are more exposed to it now. <laughs> Sorry, when you said in your local area, I thought of Blackpink. <laughs> in your area. Um, I have to say though, I think the current fan uh, K-pop fandom, I don't know if they understand, but they really need to give props to the previous generations of K-pop idols and K-pop fans because it wasn't as accepted before. Mm-hmm. Sort of a secret hobby. You wouldn't really talk to people. Claire mentioned how she connected with fangirls online. I didn't do that. I wasn't, I keep it to myself, basically. It's my personal interest. I don't really share it with anyone. And the only way I would know if someone was interested is I would have to tread really lightly and then see if they, if, if I meet someone, they mention K-pop, then I'll, I'll join and go like, oh, actually, you know, we are fellow fans. But if not, I would have to just ask them, do you like K-pop or do you listen to K-pop? And then if they say yes, then I can hit up a conversation. If they say no, that's when it's like, that's, the conversation dies. <laughs> to be honest, now I'm thinking about it, I don't think we were that close at the very beginning. I don't think we were, we didn't discuss as much K-pop at the very beginning of our friendship, even after when we first met. We didn't dive too deep into it, right? Yeah, that, you're right. I think it's because we don't, it's not as an open topic that people talk about then. Yeah. And like now that it's more accepted. Yeah. Before we were like closeted <laughs> K-pop fangirls. Yeah. So because I'm thinking about the craziness of, of to, well, here now today, 2021, the BTS. I, one thing I have to say I'm very proud of, BTS being able to be on American TV shows, European Definitely. TV, like non-Asian shows, radio stations. Never in my life have I would have thought I would be able to hear a foreign language on an English-speaking radio show. It's a big, big jump, but people do have to understand. Like BTS is great, I, but their fandom is a lot, and it's great. A lot of effort is put in from the fandom, but also like a lot of people, a lot of K-pop stars tried really hard to make it. Right? They did a lot of world tours first, and mm-hmm. just because they didn't make it as big, it doesn't mean they didn't provide a stepping stone for right. current artists. But Wow, how much it's grown. I just have to say, looking back over the past decade, K-pop has really, really gotten a lot of recognition. I think people who view it as just as K-pop, as a a music genre, they shouldn't view it just like that. It's a culture. It brings exposure to just the whole culture too. So I I think it's a really good thing, you know, because right now people need to understand about diversity and multiculturalism. We're a very multicultural world now. It's no longer each... You know, so it's a good thing people understand and learn more about other cultures. If you ask me, I wouldn't imagine seeing my K-pop idols merch at Hot Topic. And now it's really mainstream and it's really nice. It's like I didn't imagine before that I would see a K-pop album at my local Walmart. Yeah, that's that's a big jump right yeah. there. I, I feel a little Asian pride. You know, we're, we're, we're not Korean, but, you know, still Asian representation is so not it's so underrepresented in the rest of the world and I, I just feel I feel so proud whenever I like I hear BTS on the radio I see them on a, a talk show American talk show I'm like oh, oh my gosh like this is amazing just seeing people who look like us right like we exist <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I'm glad people are recognizing it for what it is I'm, I've been noticing a lot of reaction videos from people who don't listen to k-pop to k-pop and they're blown by it. And it's mm-hmm. like, yes, this is the reason why there's a K-pop fandom. It's not because we like them because they're just so, you know, oh, they're like pretty or like, 
it's not all like appearance. They're very talented people and they put in a lot of hours and dedication to their art and craft. Agreed. Moving on, let's talk about our real life encounters with these K-pop acts. You go first. This is probably the only craziest thing I've done to go chase a star. It's uh, when JYJ came for their concert, I followed a forum that told me the time of their arrival to, at the airport. And so after Korean class, I took the subway and I went to the airport and waited for them at the arrivals area at Vancouver International Airport. And we see them through the glass, they were coming out, but they didn't come out through the normal public way. They were allowed to go off to a side door that I guess is reserved for other people. And they left the other way and all the fangirls who were waiting inside all ran out to go find them at the door. So I saw them from afar amongst the mob of fangirls as they entered their black car and drove away. That was the only sort of like real life encounter that I purposely went to go see. Uh, the only other time that I went to see, it doesn't really happen much to be honest, was back in the 2010 Vancouver Olympics, there was a show called Dream Team and they filmed the Vancouver Winter Olympics special and they actually came to Vancouver to film. They filmed one episode at the gymnasium at uh, Claire and I at our university. And I found out from the forum they were gonna film and I found the timing. And so they actually allowed the public to sit um, on the chairs in the stadium. And so me and another friend, we <laughs> woke up so early on a weekend. I think it was the weekend. And my dad drove both of us and dropped us off at our university. <laughs> sat on the stalls and we were there for a whole half day and they filmed this and at that time on dream team minho from shiny <laughs> was a cast member and i saw him in person and sung Junggi, descendants of the sun slash vincenzo main lead was there he was also part of the cast there were other people too <laughs> but for me minho and sung Junggi was my like whoa and at that time that was the ring ding dong phase of shiny and I got to see Mino dance to Ring Ding Dong because everyone's like, dance to it. And um, Son Junki, this was before Son Junki went to the army. So he was still in his cutesy phase and um, he looks so good. And this was before he was like really, really popular, but I really liked him already then. But that was like my only time I was in a recording of a show. The funny thing was, I still remember to this day, they panned the camera to the fans and they cut it off right at my friend. So that he cannot see me. The camera, we cut my cut up to my friend and then me next to her, you, they cut me off. So basically the cutoff was me. So you do not you do not see me, but you can see my friend on the corner. And I know I was right next to her and I was not in the screen. I still remember it because I thought I would be on camera, but it's okay. Not for this episode, no. <laughs> it's okay. Um so those are my only experiences where I actually went to be able to see celebrities in real life and not like paid for it, not like a concert or event. Uh, unfortunately, I have had no luck with random encounters. No matter how much I travel and go to different places, I have not bumped into a celebrity, so. But Claire, how about you? I, I feel like you, you've had better luck than me. I think I might have um, used up all my luck for this first K-pop uh, celebrity encounter. So back to JYJ, I also had friends who I met online and they invited me to do a fan project with them. So that same afternoon, while you were at the airport, I was in downtown. Uh, I was waiting for these friends. I haven't met them, so it was a mistake on my part. But uh, they, I guess they got preoccupied on doing 
these fan projects, I wasn't able to connect with them any further. Like I would text them, call them, no responses at all. I was already getting hungry. I was coming off from class and I just wanted to just go into this restaurant and have a meal. Uh, I normally dine alone, especially those days. And Lady Luck blessed me. I was waiting for my order. I was seated in this, you know, end table that's really far away from the main foot traffic. I was waiting. And then when I looked to my right, it was the two of JYJ. Which two? Which two? It was uh, Junsu and Jejong. So I'm like, oh my god. My <laughs> friends from Twitter, they ditched me. And look at me now. <laughs> look where I am sitting. <laughs> and so I think that's, that's it. That was my very lucky encounter with uh, JYJ, with two of JYJ. I didn't do anything crazy. I was just eating my meal. I'm not one of those people who go berserk when they meet a celebrity. I was just stunned that, wow, these two, they're really here. And you know, I was hungry, so food comes first. <laughs> um, fast forward a few years later, so it was just a few years ago, actually. Well, I'm into my third gen, fourth gen um, K-pop fangirling phase. I did uh, welcome Icon and Winner at the airport. So I was one of the fangirls who waited at the airport to see them. And that was, that was just fun. I'm much older when I did that. And so I, I know not to go crazy with the younger girls at the front. So I'm just happy being at the back and seeing them. Wow, they're here. They're really humans. <laughs> this was in LA. So the one for Icon, it was in LA. And then for Winner, it was the show in Seattle. With that in mind, I drove from Vancouver to Seattle to Tacoma Airport and just waited. And we saw a winner. I was actually with my mom. We drove down together. We both waited at the airport. And so it was also a new experience for my mom. She saw how fangirls would be, like how they are on the airport, and how the feeling was seeing a K-pop group that you really like at the airport. Um, speaking of real-life encounters, Claire and I have been lucky enough to have our fair share of uh, attending concerts to see some of our favorite Korean singers. Since we have started working, we were able to have the spending power to also buy some merch as well. What were some of the concerts you've been to, Claire? Maybe in order or not, whatever you would like to say. Yeah, let's do it in order. So I think JYJ was the first and it really got me listening more into K-pop and then that's how I discovered more of Wonder Girls, uh, more of the JYP entertainment um, acts. If Emily's a fan of 2PM, I was a fan of 2AM. And so when Wonder Girls was here, I've heard rumors that 2AM might be the opening act for uh, Wonder Girls. And so I bought the ticket to see Wonder girls i mean they're not bad it's just i didn't know much about them to really uh go for the vip ticket <laughs> price range but i did only for the hope that 2am might also be in the meet and greet chance that came with a vip package um so 2am did not open for wonder girls <laughs> but actually reminds me that i also met wonder girls in person because of that vip package but yeah so i saw wonder girls and then jyj and then also um, Emily introduced me to Epic High, which I'm very grateful for because I really love them now. They produce such good quality music. You must listen to them. Their new album is amazing, people, if you have a chance to check out their new album. And then, yeah, so uh, lately I've also seen, one of my highlights would be seeing Winner and Icon. Um, I am an inner circle and an iconic. And so I was really happy when I saw them perform live. Um, Winner in Seattle and then Icon in LA where they came in 2019 for the 88 Rising Summer Concert. Also from that same concert, I saw DPR live. I really appreciated him more after that show. And of course, one of the highlights was seeing J. Park live. <laughs> 
For me, um, I remember my very, very first concert from a Korean singer was Kim Tae-woo and Son Ho-young of G.O.D. They came the year of the Winter Olympics, and it was 2010. At that time, not many Korean artists would come. It was amazing though, because they're so good live, and that was my very first experience, and it blew my mind. And then after that, of course, I saw JYJ, and then, of course, for me, a highlight was Big Bang. Uh, their first Galaxy World Tour. The closest location they went to was actually in LA. So I bought a cheap flight and flew down to LA to watch them in concert. And it was amazing and life-changing and 120% worth it. A highlight, the best concert I've been to, I think, ever. And I think that was one of the really rare occasions where I actually physically went to see, like actually travel. Um, what I managed, it was my own money and I didn't actually even have to take time off. I was still a student and it just so happens I didn't go to school every day. So it was all perfect. So there's no fault to my trip. And then of course, Epic High, you know, with Claire. I'm so glad she went with me. It was a, it was an amazing concert. It was so hyper. It was so great. We also saw G-Dragon together. We drove down to Seattle to see G-Dragon. A big bang together. We also saw Taeyang together as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. So a note about that. Yeah. We also saw Taeyang together. That evening, I had a red eye flight out to Hong Kong. It was the same night as the Taeyang concert. So I went to the concert with Claire and another friend. We watched Taeyang. Taeyang was amazing, by the way. He was great. And then literally right after the concert, I had to go. I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go home. Get my luggage. We gotta go to the airport, and I gotta fly out. And it turns out Big Bang was gonna have a little concert in Hong Kong the day I arrived in Hong Kong though. That was a lot of firsts, my first time. Buying a ticket, not from an actual source, but that show was sold out. And I wanted to, really wanted to go see it because it just so happens I could technically make it. I arrived that night. Okay, I, maybe I shouldn't mention this. Don't do it, people, don't do what I did. Uh, I bought tickets through Instagram. I had a friend in Hong Kong. She was my middle person and she helped me deal with it. And she's like, okay, these tickets are legit. I can help you do everything and do it. Don't do what I did. Buy from an official source, people. Um, it was a whole ordeal. Anyways, I got the tickets. I've never had a delayed flight to Hong Kong. There's usually no delays. Of course, the flight I needed to arrive on time to see my Big Bang concert was delayed. My luggage always comes out on time. My luggage was like the last thing that came out. It was the last one. I was standing there. Normally it's like fast. I was standing there for like half an hour. Basically, I was so delayed. And I was looking at the time. And I'm like, the concert's gonna start. It came out. I ran out. I'm like, mom, here, take my bags. And then like me and my friend, we hopped on the, the train that connected to the venue. And then we like hopped on and like went over. When we got there, it was just in time. They were like, Okay, guys, get to your seats now. Get to your seats. So we didn't have time to buy merch. <laughs> Plus the merch was all sold out. So no merch. And then we got in, thankfully, and we made it on time and everything. And we, we were like sort of floor seats. Anyways, that was a whole ordeal. Not good for the heart. Do not book a flight <laughs> to arrive the same time as your concert. At least give yourself leeway for delays. I feel like people should know. I learned from my lesson. And... You know, uh, the bummer was, it wasn't actually an official concert, people. It was actually a fan meet. So I went through all that thinking it was going to be at their concert and it was like not. It, I mean, to be honest, if you had no expectations, it was great. I'm not saying it was bad. It was just, I went in thinking it was a concert. <laughs> so also do your research, people. Do your research. I mean, partly the only reason I did it though, normally I wouldn't do that. It's because I actually booked my trip first. Like I did all my trip and everything. I didn't know about Big Bang was there. It just so happened, stupid social media, it popped up on my feed. And I looked at the date that they were there. I'm like, wait a second, I can make it. And so it was my impulse that I was like, 
I thought I could make it because it's really rare I could see them because I wanted to take advantage because with Big Bang, that was the, this was the time just before their army, they were going to enlist. So I thought this might be the last time I'm going to see them as five, which if you know what happens to Big Bang, it is the last time you'll see them as five. So it was the last time. So anyways, I don't, no regrets. Speaking of your impulse buzz, there was a recent, uh, well, I guess pre-pandemic concert that you went to that was super last minute, but you got really great bang for your buck. Yes. I have to thank Claire for this. Thanks to her research, the rapper BY was coming to Vancouver for a show. Claire and I were hesitating whether to go to this concert or not. In the end, we decided not to go to this concert. He was one of the artists that were like, we were interested in. His music was cool, but we didn't know a lot he about. Didn't, he didn't pass the price pending matrix. <laughs> Check out the last episode if you don't understand price pending. But um, he did not pass the price pending requirements. And then super last minute, day of the concert, then Claire messages me. I remember I was at work when she messaged me. And she said, someone posted they had VIP tickets and not for sale. Like three VIP tickets available for grabs just for free if you just meet me at the venue. Claire couldn't make it that day because she was also busy or else she would have gone and then she sent it to me. I was free that night and I said, oh my gosh, this is gonna work. I got to see BY for free. I got to meet BY and get a selfie with him and I got his autograph on his card and we were floor front row and because we we're early, we were right by the gate and railing. That was the closest I've ever been at a concert. That was a, I, that was an insane experience. I remember I had to line up at 5.30 in the morning, winter time, just to have the kind of the same experience with winter at Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I, I understand though now when you talk about floor space, front row, it's a totally different experience. You get this energy. Yeah, it's so much fun. But also I wanted to mention impulse buy too. Jay Park was sort of impulse when we saw Jay Park together. We were hesitating. We were hesitating. We, we were very conflicted about our price pending. Yeah, because also with Jay Park, his tickets were a little beyond what our budget was for that concert. And we were hesitating and up till, was it a week, a week before the concert, he still had tickets and we decided, let's do it. Jay Park, we don't know when he's gonna come. No regrets though. It was, wow. He knows how to throw a show. It is great. He interacts with fans, which I really, really like. Um, I just wanted to mention though, one other lucky thing besides you, I actually got a chance to see Rain when he came to Vancouver for a fan meet concert. And my friend won an Instagram raffle draw to tickets. She also won VIP meet and greet tickets. And so we were front row and it was so close. Um, like he actually came to interact, like he walked up and down right because we were on the corner of the edge too. So he would walk past us and we got a photo with him because the meet and greet was after the concert. And then it was like a group like, okay, sit in chairs. And then he was down in the center and take photos. So I have to say, I, I've been lucky. Both, both of my friends, you guys have hooked me up. I appreciate it. <laughs> Speaking of good performers, I just really want to mention like a bonus entry. If you get an opportunity to see uh, Dean yeah. live, you must really go. He's a good performer as well. His music is fantastic. He's really good. Yeah, Dean I want to see. And actually, speaking of unique experiences, we both saw Hyoko together. I've never seen a Korean band perform. I didn't know what to expect and the venue was basically one of those like open band spaces and that was such a unique experience. It's a band performance but yeah. because of their music it was a little bit more chill. There was no requirement for us to go crazy. Yeah. Like, be standing all the time. I really liked it. I want more experiences of that. I think this is a tip for 
listeners, if you have a group or a performer or a singer that you know that's not very big right now, but they do perform, go to those venues, go to those small venues. When you support them when they're not as big, they will perform in these more intimate settings. I feel like small intimate settings are a lot better than big, big arenas and stadiums. Yeah, the dynamics are definitely different. But speaking of artists that we want to see, for me, hopefully someday after the pandemic, uh, when we are able to safely do so, I would still love to see FT Island. I didn't really have the means to see them at their peak. <laughs> and so now that I have um, access to adult money, I would really, really want to see them live. Um, FT Island is a band. So unlike other K-pop groups um, who dance more, it's just a different performance. And so I would really love to hear FT Island live. Speaking of bands, I would like to see CM Blue. Um, yeah, just the band experience. It's a totally different thing, a different experience. But also, we mentioned BY and Jay Park. His company is AOMG, and they have a lot of different artists there. Honestly, I'm open to seeing any of the artists under their label. That's my latest change in music, where I've been really immersed in this new like genre of Korean hip-hop and R&B. And um, a lot of the AOMG artists are great, specifically Grey and Loco. If I could see them live, that would make my life. And I think Claire would agree with me. <laughs> would probably be buddies for that concert again. <laughs> for sure, 100%. But on another end of the spectrum, there is also IU. I've known her since her debut. Her music genre has changed a lot. Her music has only gotten better. Her singing's gotten better. She's amazing. If I have a chance, I would love to see her live just to get that experience. Because I think her voice and singing would be even better live. I want to say also Mamamoo. Like, I love Hwasa. I love every member, but Mamamoo would be amazing live, I think. Speaking of live performances, I would also like to see um, the newer groups. For example, there's Blackpink. I mean, their stage presence feels like it's going to be amazing, and I just really want to experience their concert too. Also, Shiny's back. Shiny's back. <laughs> And them being one of my OG groups, I would also want to see them live. I, I'll say this, I don't think it's possible, but GOT7, I don't know if there's ever going to be a chance where they can perform together, but I would love to see GOT7 live um, in any kind of setting. It doesn't have to be a concert, but I would love to see them live because I think they have just such a great dynamic and such a great friendship. And I think I would love to see them live, just like how I would love to see 2PM. I think they're having a new album coming out, but I really wish they get more chances. JYP, give your OG artists more chances. Your new artists are great, I guess you gotta focus on the younger generation to get the fandom, but you have fans who are getting older and they're still fans because they we lose this opportunity. So I'm glad like SM is like focusing on Super Junior and Shiny. Moving on. Another thing that we are both big fans of are Korean dramas and Korean variety shows. So Claire, do you sort of remember what was your first uh, Korean drama or your first first Korean dramas, the start of your addiction. Just a heads up, I'm I'm not as a big K-drama fan as you are, but I do remember being hooked to this drama while I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And it was Princess Hours. It was so super good. big. I just really remember liking it a lot and loving the music. And I just really love the plot at that time. <laughs> I love the theme song. I still have this theme song like on my Spotify playlist. My first so the start of my addiction my very I still remember my very 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 first Korean drama was not actually my fault like it was actually my aunt and my grandma watching it and they were watching and they were really hooked and they I wasn't understanding so my very first drama 
that I was exposed to and I watched and fell in love with was Full House with Song Hye Kyo and Rain. At that time, I didn't understand Korean and English subs was really limited. What that drama was, my aunt and grandma watched it with Chinese subs and my Chinese wasn't very great. And so it was really hard for me to understand because I can't understand the dialogue and I can't really read the subs. So I don't really know what's going on unless I just watch. So it was really difficult. And then I think I was able to find an English subbed version and then I watched it and I fell in love with it. It blew my mind. I never watched anything from other countries before. I've only watched, um, you know, West English dramas, English shows, and I've watched some Chinese shows, but I've never really watched anything else because it's not a language I would understand. It was my first one and at the time, that was just before YouTube. So you have to like find these like DVDs or you have to buy the DVD. So I watch it off a DVD. You have to find the DVD from those Asian stores that help, like sold different genres of dramas unofficial dvds the unofficial dvds that had subs because you can't buy an official one because official ones wouldn't be subbed so you have to find the unofficial ones that had subs and then my next gateway one was my fellow friend she watched this one and told me to watch it and i and i went and i don't know if she lent me her unofficial dvd or i went to buy the unofficial dvd but it was my girl i don't know if people remember my girl it was ida hei Junki, ido wook and it was so funny for its time. It was so good. It was so cutesy. And I had the unofficial DVD for that too. <laughs> oh, another point to, 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 to the new fans these days. Very lucky that things are on Netflix, on YouTube, on everything else. Because back in the days, it was tough, man. Tough being a fangirl. Yeah. It was so hard. And subs was impossible. You have to like rely on the fan, the fan cafes and the hard work they dedicated to that. That's a good thing that you brought it up because I was actually one of the fan cafes <laughs> who helped with the, the subbing, the subbing teams. <laughs> yeah, the subbing team. Okay, so I do miss the subbing team a little bit because these official subs these days, there's only the sub of the actual dialogue, but the subbing team subbed everything. They would like... They put on so much effort. Yeah, and so if there were pop-ups or anything or signs, they subbed everything. And my favorite was those who added their own commentary in it. They would like put a little asterisk in the, in the smaller captions. They'll be like, like they'll put cultural references and says like, oh, in Korea, this is what they do. They'll put little notes. So, or they'll put like random comments if it's specifically a fan cafe. Oh my God, so much effort. And I miss it so much. Now it's less and less. You don't get all those like quirks. But speaking of, um, speaking of gateway dramas, for me, the only Korean drama that I've watched, like really tuned in was Prince Sauras. And then later come uh, university days, I was randomly scrolling through Facebook and I saw a clip of You're Beautiful. I was hooked to that drama. And then I learned more about Tong Yong-hwa and Hee Yong-ki and Chang Kun Sok. Sok. Yeah, <laughs> that was my gateway drama to K-pop, actually. So right. the, that FT Island opened up my world to K-pop and just the whole culture. Because when I got into FT Island, I discovered Shiny and then Ring Ding Dong Days. So <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> as an intro to K-pop, Ring Ding Dong is a little bit um a big yeah. step to mainstream Western music. And that so, was very K-pop. Uh, Ring very, Ding Dong was very, very K-pop. Second gen K-pop. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Just lately, um, one of my favorite K-dramas would be um, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. I love the plot, love the artistry in that drama. I just, just love everything about it. I have to say, I have to appreciate the additions of uh, dramas on Netflix. It's made watching 
HD dramas. So good and like so speedy too. Oh my God, no more waiting. Oh gosh, I remembered I would wait. Uh, my flavor of dramas have changed. I mean, I still have a love for the lovey-dovey fun rom-coms. I do like those, but it's changed a lot. So a latest one that I thought was so brilliant was Kingdom. I don't love horror, but I quite like thriller and zombies. <laughs> I have a thing for watching zombies and stuff like that. Yeah, it's well executed. It's super well executed. The cinematography is great. The acting is fantastic. And I love the fact that it's a zombie movie based on the Joseon time. It was brilliant. And Ju Ji Hoon. He's the same guy from Princess Hours. Yes, he's the same. Yes, he's grown up. He's also a prince in this one too though. Also, this one I didn't know I would like. This one just sort of happened recently. Sweet Home. That's another sort of like zombie slash supernatural slash monster thriller. It, that was so not typical Korean. That was beyond. I didn't know what to expect. And of course my my usual my lovey-dovey ones. I quite like the weightlifting fairy Kim Bok Chu. That was so funny and so good. They had so many great humor in it. Um I just finished True Beauty. If you guys want a rom-com, it's super cute. It's based on a webtoon. Uh, I never really read a webtoon. Uh, for those who don't know, webtoons are sort of like mangas. But this is the very first time I read webtoon that the drama was based on. And the webtoon is really good too. If you haven't watched True Beauty, I would recommend you watch it. But also if you do watch it, I also recommend the webtoon if you want to read it. <laughs> And I also wanted to mention one thing since this episode's about fangirling is this great rom-com that totally relates to our topic. It's her private life. The one thing that I really like about that drama is it makes it more relatable to Nuna fans. It was really relatable because she balances her real adulting life well with her uh, passion for that idol that she follows very hardcore. <laughs> The drama made it very relatable to uh, fans who started from university days to now being full adults. I really like the fact that they also tried to normalize older fans because there is a thing where some people assume K-pop fans are, you know, a certain age group, usually younger, usually students. Being a fan, there's something that's great. It's a great thing. So watch that drama, Her Private Life, if you uh, want to know more about the life of a fangirl. It's a great, if, and for those who don't understand fangirling, and, and not just fangirl, just being a, a fan, it could be anyone. That one gives a really good insight, and I think it did a really good job, because, like, that's, it is how, that is the life, that is the culture. That is a, it, they did a really good, accurate view of um, fan culture. And they did show really the balance uh, yes. is possible because at the end, she still had her own romantic life yeah. uh, sorted out. Fangirling wasn't portrayed as being just this one concept, one lifestyle that yeah. a person does. And it's just obsessed yeah. with that. So I really like that part where, yeah, definitely showed balance that fangirls don't just fangirl. That's not the only thing they do. They have other lives too. It's just a part of their life. So speaking of dramas, I did mention that I'm not really as a big fan as Emily, but I do spend most of my hours watching Korean movies. I actually took a class on Korean film in university. That's just how much I was super interested in it. And so I just want to um, mention a couple of movies that I think a person should try to watch uh, because it just offers so much substance in a film and shows uh, a lot about the Korean culture. And so one of my highlights would be The Servant, Bang Jatsun. I really, really love the uh, cinematography for that. Content-wise, it might be a little bit too scandalous for people. I think it's a 19 plus uh, film, but really the richness, the vibrancy of the colors used in the film 
super beautiful. And another one would be The King and the Clown. At the time that the film was released, I think it tackled the issue very well. It's a good it's a good movie. Lee Gi did a really good job. Right. And it's it's such a good movie that uh, it's one of the films that we actually discuss in class because it tackled on a lot of cultural um, issues. Um, so I watched uh, more of the mainstream hits. My first couple of Korean movies were less substance, I would say, but a, a lot of fun and very different. 200 Pound Beauty, such a classic. It's a great insight on the Korean obsession with how appearance plays a big deal. It is changing a little bit. 200 Pound Beauty really gives an insight on, you know, the, a little bit of the obsession with plastic surgery and the Korean entertainment uh, industry. I quite like it. It was a great movie. And also, of course, My Sassy Girl. So many, so many um, hits. But Korea also is famous for very sad love stories. And there's one called A Moment to Remember. For me, A Millionaire's First Love. I really, really like that. I cried so much from that movie. It was a really great, sad movie. I, I think it's a very stereotypical, if you want to know stereotypical Korean uh, storylines, whether it's movie or drama, Millionaire's First Love stars Hyun Bin who is also the lead in Crash Landing on You. For those who don't know, this was one of his uh, earlier works. You will cry your eyes out. And if you watch it today, I think you will still cry your eyes out. Those, those were some classic stuff. But I think recently, you mentioned The King of the Clown and Servants. Also another one that was a little more scandalous was also very good, A Frozen Flower. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Frozen Flower with Cho and Sung. Wow, that one was a a great movie but also like the thing about Korean movies it's really funny how dramas they have to censor so much but movies they can really let go which I really like Korean movies really tackle a lot of things they tackle a lot of dark things a lot of dark things and like I guess maybe movies don't have to do any censorship I don't know it's great as long as I guess if you rate it high enough then you can do whatever you want which I think is good um, a Frozen Flower, again, if you Google it, you'll know I, I'm not going to really talk too much about it. It's, it's a really great movie. It, it was peak at the time when it came out. And then also uh, more controversial, not more controversial, but the ones that make you think more is like also Bluebeard. Very thriller, murder movie. Bluebeard blew my mind. I went in not knowing what it was. My friend recommended me and I just watched it and I was like, wow, I don't know. You don't know. You think you know and then you're like, what's happening? But I like those movies that sort of make you think. Of course, you can't not talk about Korean movies these days without talking about Parasite, director Boon Joon-ho. His movies are all fantastic. There's Okja. He also made Okja. He also made Paris, uh, Snowpiercer. He makes you think so much about society. He tackles all these heavy subjects about society and how we as a society, we can do so much better. One more thing I mentioned about zombies. I also love Train to Busan. I have rewatched that many, many times. <laughs> One other movie that I really loved um, after seeing it in a film festival is Handmaiden. It oh, really yes. reminded me of the servant's uh, cinematography, although um, it's more on uh, very vibrant, very saturated, colorful cinematography. While Handmaiden, it's more, I think it's darker, but despite um, having a darker hue, you still, it's such an immersive film to watch. That's what I thought. Moving on to a slightly lighter note. Korean variety shows. They are super fun. And I think uh, Claire and I, we both have some shows that we both love very, very much. For me, I I feel like I am like more old fashioned than Claire. A lot of my favorites, I'm, I feel like I've mentioned, whether it's music or dramas or movies, are like the older kinds. But I have to say, for those who haven't followed uh, 
Korean entertainment for too long. X-Men used to be a very, very big a variety show. It was so big because there weren't that many options back in the day. So OG. <laughs> so OG. I know. My age is totally showing. But X-Men was so good. So when YouTube was released, all the episodes of X-Men was all on YouTube. And the latest ones. And then they would be subbed. The fans are so brilliant. The fans would sub it and they would post it on YouTube and I would watch them. Because back then, a lot of the celebrities and idols that went on were were the ones we were fans of. So Dongman Shingi was on a lot. We've got Super Junior, Yoon Eun Hae, Kim Jong-kuk. Yoo Jae-suk was the host. We've got Kang Ho-dong. Just a lot of classic people who still are active today. They were on the show. It was so brilliant. For, for the times, you know, in the 2000s. It was like a peak quality right there. Along with X-Men, they introduced Love Letter because Korean entertainment has this fascination of like pairing up celebrities to be couples, whether it's real or fake. And then um, after that, slightly newer ones, uh, although they no longer exist either, is uh, I think Claire also watches this a lot, Star Golden Bell. Star Golden Bell was a great show because they really had the latest idols on it all the time as guests so at the time their latest idols were our favorite idols super fun very informative very informative really fun also learned a lot too i think as fans as foreign fans we learned a lot about korean culture that way too and the reason i like the show is they allowed every single guest to have their own time to speak which was really good because if you had your favorite idol there, you know, or a favorite group, every member could speak, which was a big deal because certain shows, it's really hard if you have a large group, you can't get everyone to speak, so. And there wasn't really much um, ways for us to get to know more about the artist then. Just for example, nowadays, um, these Korean artists, they have Twitter, they have Instagram, you always get the inside info from them directly. Back then, you can only learn more about your bias if he or she speaks in Star Gordon Bell. Yeah, actually, you're right. Again, this is, I guess, the OG fangirling. The social media thing wasn't a thing back then. And the only way we know is if the host goes, hey, how are you today? Like, how have you been recently? What have you been up to? And then, you know, your your idol or your celebrity, the person you were fanning over, can go like, yes, I have a new album coming out. Oh, I've been busy filming a drama or something like that. You're right. That's how we got our news through these variety shows. So how about you? What kind of other shows did you watch? It would be a miss if I don't mention my top favorite variety shows uh, during my university days. While everyone else was watching their K-dramas, I'd be there watching my variety shows. Two in particular. Um, the first one is One Night, Two Days. At uh, the time that I started watching the show, they're already airing it for a couple of years. So there was a lot of backtracking for me to do. <laughs> and I just enjoyed watching it. And they also travel. I get to learn so much about their culture, their food. Uh, the different provinces that they go to and it was very uh, it sparked my my curiosity and it was through one night two days as well that i practice korean just my listening skills and catching phrases here and there also another show would be running man um most of my uh, favorite idols would go there i just love to watch it it's it offered like a different excitement from the other variety shows that i already saw but wasn't really following but Running Man. Running Man was super funny and one of my favorites. I agree with Running Man. Um, I was a religious watcher of Running Man since the beginning. The original cast that started from the beginning, mm -hmm. I watched it. Um, but I have to say, before Running Man, there was Family Outing. Family Outing, I literally watched from episode one till the last episode. Every single episode, religiously. The reason why I loved it so much 
there's really not much to it. It's really the reason it's called Family Outing is the cast was like a family and they each had their roles. Primarily I started watching because Daesung from Big Bang watched it and that was my peak Big Bang phase. But then I fell in love with it because all the people on it was so great. And the concept's so simple, but it's so funny because of the interactions they do. It's I love that day-to-day -day life and they bicker a lot like a real family. And different guests brings different dynamics. And it's really funny and I love how they like to ask intrusive questions. When they see a celebrity that's like a really big star, they'll ask really intrusive questions. And uh, the best is when they bring people the existing cast know because they dig dirt on each other and it's extra fun. So I strongly recommend, I still feel like Family Outing is probably one of my favorite, favorite variety shows. Um, but it's probably a good thing they ended because it could be one of those, like if they kept going, it could get boring. But I saw, I have really fond memories of it. It aired during my university life, so it really helped, like, relieve stress. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that I enjoy watching One Night 2D too. One Night 2 Days. One and 2D. <laughs> it was a great escape from a stressful student life. Like, you get to travel to a place that I haven't been to. And to be honest, it's actually one of the reasons that made me want to go visit Korea for the first time. Because I wanted to travel like them, wanted to experience culture, wanted to eat the food that they were eating. Not that they were eating a lot, but... It's so fun. I don't know if you remember this. There's one episode I guess I would recommend people to watch. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's the episode where they have international fans. It's a while ago, it's a past seasons. I think they do that every year. Yeah, okay, yeah. Anyways, I love it. Every time they have international fans join, it's so fun because they have certain people they like specifically and then the other members get hurt and then they'll be surprised about how good their Korean is from the international fans and the interaction is just really fun. It was nice to talk about how our friendship has blossomed through Korean entertainment, from Korean music to dramas and movies, and how our tastes have changed over time. And so with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening to Easy Made Lemonade. But before we go, please show us some love by connecting with us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope you're staying safe and healthy, and please stay tuned for more at our next episode!